Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. In the year 2022, and there is a lot of excitement in the air tonight because it is the beginning of the NBA Finals. Hello, everyone. This is your host, Mike Abadir, of course, and I am joined by my main man, Pop DiBiase, JB, the primetime handicapper, extraordinaire. Let's bring him in right now so we can get going on this fun-filled show this afternoon. What's going on, Pop? Hey, what's going on, Mike? Always a pleasure to be here. Always a pleasure to have you. You're a Hall of Fame member of the cast, and uh, let, let's get right to it, brother. All right. The, uh, and you know me, I'm not a huge NBA guy. I always give that disclaimer uh, on the shows when I talk NBA because my knowledge pales in comparison to the man seated next to me here, Pop DiBiase. Of course, mm-hmm. I defer to your expertise However, this is this is a series I'm really excited about. Celtics and Warriors. Celtics, of course, have a long storied history. The Warriors, not so much a long and storied history, but really a ridiculous run in this uh, most recent decade here. And it's remarkable to see a team that was virtually invincible for a few years fade away for a couple of years and then come back at a championship level. What say you, JB? What What are the thoughts that resonate with you when you're thinking about this series? Just kind of a general thoughts. Well, what I'm thinking is, is like this, that you got a Warriors team that has, you know, that has been here before. And then you have a Celtics team that if you look throughout the NBA history, they're at the top of the, the mountain when it comes to, titles but they haven't had one in over a decade and a funnier thing is that they haven't played a team not named the Lakers in the finals this is the first time since 1986 so that's just how many times Boston's been to the finals here in the last almost 40 years so it's really a fun series because it's kind of different it's kind of quirky you know but this is kind of like the way it's supposed to be because the Celtics built their team up five, six, seven years ago. And the core guys are still there together. And they have a coach now who can, who pushed them over the top, who's a little bit more experienced when it comes down to NBA. Now, nothing against the coach that they, they had before. He's uh, He didn't get fired. He got promoted. But at the end of the day, though, they need a new voice. They need a change. They need a guy who's willing to, you know, make the necessary decisions. And, I just really feel like this series is the exact series that the NBA needed this year on how the season went. You know what I mean? I think that we're we're always, you know, kind of set up for it in a sense where you were going to have a traditional team versus the team that's like the the it team of today. And, you know, I thought Philly might have been in that role this year, and that's just how close it was because Embiid's another player who's just like, Tatum and Brown, who's just been playing so good for so long, and it's about time because you're at the top of the food chain when it comes to the NBA. Things are a lot easier for you now. Makes a lot of sense, man. I mean, I think uh, I think you raise uh, some some valid points. Let's talk about coaching. Who do you think has the coaching advantage? Obviously, Kerr has, you know, the rings and. The, the cred, if you will, even dating back to his days as a player with Michael Jordan and, you know, and then on to the Spurs. But from just like a, what you've seen, forget about the past. Just talk about what you saw coaching wise leading up to the finals this playoff season from the Celtics and from the Warriors. Who who do you feel is like the hotter coach if there's such a thing as getting a hot as a coach, getting on a roll as a coach, 
who comes into this series, you know, obviously both are hot because they're in the finals, but who, who have who's impressed you more in this playoff run? Maybe it's a decision or two. Maybe it's a uh, uh, usage of timeouts. I don't know. You analyze the game at a, at a, at a, another level. So I'd like to hear your thoughts about the coaching. Well, I know everybody's going to say, well, it's Curry. No, it's not. It's Udoka. Udoka is blade. Okay. You weren't supposed to be you. The Nets were supposed to knock you off. Right. They swept them. Then they get to the next round. The Bucks were pretty much playing championship basketball. They shut that down. They got themselves the big win over them, and they dominated in that win as well, too. And, again, they go seven with the top seed in the East. And, you know, it's just when you look at the coach, well, Steve Nash probably – Steve Nash is still kind of a green head coach, so you can't count him. But then you have the fact that you had them – you had – we get to the second round, and you beat Budenhoser, the defending – NBA championship coach, and then you go beat Spolster, a guy who's won three of them, you know, with the franchise. He's, he, even though, you know, it's LeBron, it doesn't matter. He's still with the coach that led them to the title. So, you know, you dunk him, went through the, through, went through the fire, you know, in a sense, and he was able to get it done. Now, when you look at the way that Kerr and his crew did it, you know, you have Denver. All right, cool. Denver was kind of down. You ain't got no Jamal Murray, so you didn't have Denver at his best. And then you have Memphis, a team that would have thought with Morant would have beat Golden State or would have had a good chance of going seven and making it going along, making it go all the way to the, um, you know, making it making it go all the way to seven. But I really do think Morant would have been able to overpower the Warriors because it was coming, but he got hurt. And then when you get to the to the Mavericks, you knew everybody knew. Hey, the Mavericks, thanks for showing up. You know what I mean? Because you guys weren't even supposed to be here. But we'll go ahead and we'll have some fun because Luca's here, and Luca's the face of the NBA. I know a lot of people don't want to say that yet, but Luca's about to be primetime television next season. They're about to really probably start running a lot of ads and things of that nature um, surrounding Luca because Luca is like what excites everybody because he's a guy who's scoring with you know so much ease but they get over Luca and Luca if Luca had a little bit of help if he had maybe had two more guys or if you didn't have guys that had stage fright I lied blowing leads they would have been fine they possibly could have won that series too but all in all the Warriors won because the Warriors have been been there done that it's not because they were be playing their best basketball is just because they just know how to win when it's time to win. And that's a great thing. And, but I don't think that makes that. I don't, I, I just think that the journey was pretty much autopiloted in a sense because Kerr got to take off games as well too, because Kerr uh, caught COVID. So, you know, I think that all in all, Mike, you can go out there and coach the Warriors. And they'll probably do the same exact thing. <laughs> wow. Well, uh, I appreciate your 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 faith in me, man. But I get your point. I, I understand what you're saying. You know, it sounds to me like you're looking at this from the perspective of who maybe had a harder road to get to this finals and balancing that out with who was expected to and who wasn't expected to. And on that note, I think there's some supporting information that's really interesting. Not sure if you uh, saw this or not, Mr. Primetime Handicapper, but this will appeal to you because I know you love stats and numbers and and, uh, and wagering data when it comes to this kind of stuff. So apparently the Boston Celtics, if they win, okay, they would be the biggest preseason long shot to win the NBA title in 35 years. Preseason, they were 50 to 1 uh, long shot odds to win the NBA title. 50 to 1 during preseason. So that would be the biggest long shot to win the title um, in 35 plus years, which is really interesting. The Warriors seem to be a heavy favorite, not necessarily point spread wise, but according to FanDuel, 80% of the wagers tonight are on the Warriors, and 
they uh, they're also dominating in terms of the series. What are your thoughts just about the best of seven and then tonight as well? Or start with tonight and then let's talk about the best of seven. Is, is there first of all is, are there is there any value in taking the Warriors as a minus one fifty to win the title? Yeah, as long as it's not two fifty, as long as it's not five fifty. Minus one fifty is not a death sentence. It's not bad at all. You know what I mean? You, you look at it like this: if you want to get, you just know that you're not to spend money to make some money. It's that simple, and it's okay because minus one fifty is the good is a good number. I thought it would have been a little bit more even. You know what I mean? I would have thought that possibly would have been a plus one ten to to you know, to the Celtics and then possibly like a minus, you know, 120 or something of that nature for the Warriors. So the price is about right because it's going to shift anyway with whatever happens in the game tonight, especially if the Celtics win. It will probably go – the Celtics will probably get more to the minus and then you have the Warriors in the the plus. So I think if you want to hold still – Maybe you might want to take the Warriors after today, you know, so if you can get some money on them or you can take them today and they ain't looking too good tonight, then you can go ahead and get the plus money on them as well too. I know that Boston presents the uh, – a lot of people are going to like – a lot of people are going to be sneaky about Boston tonight. They're going to be a late play. I know that. And I like Boston tonight as well too because I feel like they're coming in here very confident after that big win that they had. And, you know, I just feel like all in all that the Warriors, yeah, they had some rest, but maybe they might be rested might not be the best thing. You know what I mean? Because I think that when you're in the groove and you're playing and you're ready to roll, I think that you, you might be in a better shape for tonight's game. And I think that's what the case is with the Celtics. So, um, I really do like the way that the Celtics do are coming in here tonight. The matchup, how the matchup sets up, in a sense, I think that the Warriors are going to be a little bit real cocky because they're at home, and I think that's going to kind of bite them in the butt tonight. And I think Steph's going to have a slow, his slow start. Is not going to be like who he's supposed to be in this game tonight. I think that it comes down to two players. Um, on each side. Now, if you get Wiggins balling, I think that the Warriors would be hard to beat. And I think if you get Horford to go ahead and solidify and establish himself on both ends of the floor and be effective and be clutch, then the Celtics should be able to win this game. Now, both things happen. I don't know. We, you toss it up, we'll settle it in overtime. But that's how I feel about game one. But all in all, in this series, I feel like it goes seven. And the winner is going to be the team that absolutely just wants it the most in the end. I think that we're going to have ourselves some really close games and majority of this series because these are the best teams in basketball for this season. They're not the best teams in basketball for the next decade, but I think they're the best team in basketball for this season. And I think that the Warriors might be a team that's on maybe going to their last final, you know what I mean, win or lose, because I don't know. They're not going to have this – Part of this roster for too much longer, and I think that the Celtics are in a position to say that okay, we've arrived, and now so the Boston has became a very sexy location for free agents to want to show up to. So it's going, it's going to be this is a, a series that's going to be determine the future in a sense as well too. So we'll see how it goes, Mike. Yeah, that's th- those are some really good takes there. Before we uh, shift out of the uh, wagering discussion, I'm just going to throw out a few more numbers at you. So at online sportsbook points bet, 87% of the money has been wagered on the Warriors to win the finals. Mm-hmm. The largest reported bets, however, have been on the Celtics, including a couple of you know large wagers whose opinions are respected by bookmakers. According to Jeff Sherman, who is with the Superbook in Las Vegas, a town that you uh, have lived in, frequent back and forth, do your business there. Um, his shop has accepted multiple bets on the Celtics to win the series, uh, plus 145 and plus 140. 
for some from some really heavy hitters, as well as money line bets on the Celtics to win Game One. So it kind of tells me that a lot of the small guys are betting on the Warriors, some of the heavy hitters, Celtics. I agree with you. I think some of the late wise guy money is probably going to be coming in on the Celtics. Um, it makes that plus four kind of appealing, don't you think? Actually, hold yes. that thought. Hold that thought. Let's take a quick commercial timeout. We come back. We'll talk about that. And then I also want to get your prediction on this series. I kind of have a feeling I know where you're going with this, but sometimes you always, you always come at me with a little surprise up your sleeve, so I'm not going to assume that I know anything yet. We're talking to... The primetime handicapper, Pop DiBiase, handicapper extraordinaire. We will be back after a quick timeout and talk more Celtics versus Warriors. Stay with us, everyone. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Or send an email to Mike at the MikeAbadirShow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back, everyone. We're talking to the top GPS, the primetime handicapper, talking some NBA finals. And uh, before we get to his predictions, I'm going to ask you in terms of a uh, potential MVP wager. Uh, looks like Steph Curry is the, is the favorite to win the MVP if you're looking to, to bet on an individual player. Uh, he's pretty much odds on. He's even money. Who would be a sneaky pick for you to win MVP? I assume you're not going to take Steph Curry. Because I think we both can agree, he's still Steph, he's still great, but he's not hes not exactly the killer that uh, we've seen over the years. And that's not a slide on him. Um, that's, it's, it's good that he's got a supporting cast that can kind of take the burden off a little bit, you know what I mean? But who would be a good MVP wager in your mind? Curry's even money. And then you go to uh, Jason Tatum as his second favorite, plus 180. Jalen Brown plus a thousand, Clay plus fifteen hundred, Draymond plus eighteen hundred. You know, all the action seems to be going on Curry. Nobody else knows who else to take if it's not Curry or Tatum. Any sneaky possibilities in your mind for uh, an MVP wager? Jalen Brown. Okay, plus one thousand. That's an easy call. 
That's value, huh? Yeah. Easy call, I like Mike. It. Easy call. I like it. I, who, who's his matchup? That's my question. Yeah. Who's sticking him? Yeah. That's that's a it's a it's a good question to pose. You know, who, what would you do if you're if you're Kerr? How how would you match that up? Right, because I know I have somebody for Clay on my end for the Celtics. I know I have somebody for Steph. Hey, come on, what's Draymond gonna do other than talk? You know what I mean? He'll talk you out of back of the shot. But I think that Draymond be huge in this series as well, too, to be honest. I think Draymond is going to be a very key asset to anything of success for the Warriors here. Okay. Let's talk about health. So on the Celtics side, we're looking at um, Marcus Smart and Robert Williams kind of managing some uh, knick-knack injuries. On the uh, Warriors side, uh, Gary Payton, Otto Porter, Andre Iguodala are all listed as questionable for game one. Um, any any issues there? Do you think that injuries are going to play a significant role, or are these all kind of manageable? Um, Iguodala, he hasn't really been in the playoffs, so he and it doesn't really matter. It's just more he's more vocal than anything. I think that the injuries will play a significant part in the series, but I think that this is going to be a series where you get guys that you didn't think were going to step up, step up. You know what I mean? Like I really do feel like Tito, Mr. Al Horford is going to have himself a hell of a series. You know what I mean? Because I think it's going to be a, a, a career after it's over with this series right here. And I know they want to get the big man a title because he's the main reason why they all got back together and were able to get back to this this moment. Now, I do think that he has some issues too with injuries, so we just have to just just be vigilant because COVID is kind of uh, running around as well too. You know, Jeff Van Gundy's not going to be doing it again tonight or Woj, so you know you got that element as well too. So hopefully none of that happened none of that interferes with what's going on in the games but you gotta always go ahead and and think about that as well too yeah no doubt about it i mean i think that's always going to be uh you know for the foreseeable future that's always going to be something that could potentially infect any uh any sporting event you know until uh until this thing goes away which doesn't seem to be uh completely gone anywhere um Assuming that that's not the case, however, I was kind of thinking that an X factor for the series could be Andrew Wiggins. And you mentioned him earlier. It seems to me like he's maybe... He came into the league with with great expectations, but maybe he's kind of found his... kind of like his role or or settled into kind of a comfort zone... um, with the Warriors, what are, what are your thoughts about him? I mean, he 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 was he was a good scorer with the with the Timberwolves. Don't get me wrong, but uh, it seems like here he's maybe a better part of a team structure. What what are your thoughts about Wiggins? But yeah, Wiggins is um a hell of a is a is a, he was a hell of a pickup the whole time. I just think that people were a little hard on him because the Wolves were never never lived up to the to what they wanted the Wolves to be. And that's okay because Minnesota is Minnesota at the end of the day. Nobody expects the Minnesota franchise to be a dominant team. Like, they'll have a season or two or three, you know what I mean? But they never got to where they wanted to get to, you know. And the women's team really did a good job. Nobody ever talks about that. They were, pretty, I think they won like four championships in like six years. So, you know, nobody talks about that. So I think that Wiggins going to Golden State. Being with Curry, being with Thompson, being with Draymond, it gave him a different confidence that he didn't have to be the star player of the team. So now he's taking over and he's playing the ultimate role player. And I think sometimes guys can fit well into that role and then explode into the player that they were supposed to be. Like, sometimes it takes a while. He's a young man who came to the NBA. Guys act like he was a polished kid who was 22 coming to the league. He's 19. He was 
19 years old with a lot of expectations. And he was a guy that announced he was going to the NBA after his first college basketball game, which was a lot of pressure. And he went to Kansas, and he didn't perform the way that he was supposed to at Kansas, but he was so good that it didn't matter. It's almost like he was just waiting in college. So, you know, Wiggins is just playing up to his potential, and there's nothing that surprises me here with him playing good basketball because he's still a young player. And that's what a lot of people have to understand. They act like the guy's 37 or something. He's not even as close to his 30s yet. You know, he's guys aren't even that close to their best basketball yet. And now he's at playing his best basketball, but it does have to be 45 points a game. It's just enough to get the job done, and he's close to getting the NBA uh, championship as well, too, in the process. To me, the X factor on the other side is Marcus Smart. And he's had a tremendous postseason. He's uh, scored 20 points or more in five games this postseason. He only had 11 such occurrences during the regular season. So I think Marcus Smart has really, really stepped up his game in this postseason, as have all the Celtics players for the most part, right? Um, but I think, I think what impresses me the most about the Celtics is their defense, in terms of points per game, no team had a better defense than the Boston Celtics this year. And their point differential was only second to the Phoenix Suns in the entire NBA. They were tops in terms of point differential in the uh, Eastern Conference. This is a team that actually, after their middle of the season kind of like uh, awakening, this really has been probably the best team or, or what top three teams in the NBA since that point. Uh, I think they absolutely belong here. And uh, if I were to make a prediction, I take a look at the basketball power index that ESPN puts out. It's a measure of team strength um, developed by ESPN's analytics team for whatever that's worth. But they have a really, really high BPI rating that, that towers over the Warriors. Uh, Celtics BPI, once again, basketball power index, 11.4. And they have the Warriors at a 4.9. Um, that would suggest to me that Celtics should win this series in five or six games. So I'm going to take the Celtics in six. That's my prediction. What about you, Pop? Um, I'm kind of on the same wavelength. I put it out there already, plus 400. 4-2, Celtics win the series, plus 130, Celtics win the series overall, any game. I yeah, mean, because any... I sensed from you, from when we when you were on the show, uh, the, the last time you were on the show, I sensed from you that you maybe felt that whoever won from the Miami-Boston series was going to win the NBA title. Am I right about that? Right, because the Eastern Conference just was a tougher, a tougher was just a tougher, tougher conference this year. And I thought they played better basketball. I felt like the teams all at the top of the West were able to run away with the West. And the West was a big conundrum of teams playing bad basketball and good basketball, bad basketball, good basketball. But the East seemed like it was a, a consistent machine. You know what I mean? And it seemed like the best of the best was getting challenged. And it, everybody was challenging everybody in the Eastern Conference this year. There was just some really bad teams in the Western Conference this year. And I just really feel like that this was one – they had a good playoff bracket compared to the Western Conference because Western Conference had a lot of games that were blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? So it, I thought it was bet much better, and I thought that the way that these teams played in the Eastern Conference in the Final Fours and things of that nature, the, last, the, 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 the second round and beyond, it just became a classic situation. So – I think that all in all, we can look at this and say to ourselves that, okay, whoever wins the East is going to win the title because I just don't feel, I feel like the Warriors are kind of soft coming in here. They're not a tough team like that. And I think that the Heat were a very t are a very physical team. The Celtics are a very physical team. And even the, the Sixers, if they would have been able to get there, they're a physical team as well too. Same goes for the Bucks. And I just think right now, this, that physicality is going to be something that the Warriors have never dealt with because I wouldn't say that the Raptors were a physical team. I would say that they were a good tactical team. And I wouldn't say, and I damn sure will say that the Cavs weren't a physical team. The Cavs were just a team that had LeBron James and played up to the moment. 
after when they beat the uh, Warriors in the finals. So you look at those in a sense and you say, okay, this might be the team that really breaks the Warriors this time, where it's a, no doubt about it, you know, where it's not like, oh, my God, it's LeBron coming back from D1. Oh, my God, Durant got hurt. You know, I think that this will be possibly a thorough beatdown in a sense, not a thorough beatdown, but a thorough win by the Celtics. And I think it will be, you know, pretty much the end of the Warriors' little run at the top. I just think it's unfinished business right now. And they just were fortunate because there were teams that were out. There's no Lakers. There's no Clippers. The Suns got put out early. And, you know, the teams that have the top stars don't have their second, uh, the, the second in command. Uh, talking about the Nuggets. You know what I mean? Where they don't have Jamal Murray. So, all in all, I love the Celtics here, Mike. I'm just loving 4-2. That's plus 400. 4-3 is plus 500. 4-1 is, with, you know, take about any of them, Mike. They're going to win the series. There it is, folks. Yeah. Primetime Handicapper. Giving you some free opportunities to make a few bucks on the series. Sounds very confident with his prediction. I happen to agree with this prediction. Uh, before we move off of the NBA Finals, a couple of other interesting tidbits here. Apparently, there's a better in Colorado who put a $500 bet on pool to win the Finals MVP at 200 to 1 odds. That has brought down the odds of pool from 200 to 1 down to 30 to 1 entering tip-off tonight. Uh, another interesting one at the same sports book in Colorado points bet. A gentleman had placed a wager of $3,333 on clay to win the MVP at 100 to one odds. So my man would get back 333,300 bucks. If clay can dominate this series and get himself an MVP, if Curry is named MVP, he would join a very, very exclusive list of winning the MVP of the Western Conference Finals uh, and the uh, regular season, uh, and then the f- uh, Finals MVP, of course, as well as the regular season scoring title. That's a very short list of Kareem, Durant, Kobe, LeBron, Shaq, Jordan, and Wilt. So, you know, anytime, Pop, when you can name a first name only and you know who we're talking about, that you're talking about legends. Again, like Shaq and Wilt, it's Kobe, et cetera. So, Curry has an opportunity to put himself in the uh, annals of all-time lore. And on that note, before we go to the final commercial break, do you think Steph's legacy is defined in any way, shape, or form based on if he wins or loses, or is he pretty much his place in the history books is pretty sort of solidified as it is, regardless of the results. Setting it top side, 75 players of all time. Enough said, Mike. Okay. That's there it. you have it. Enough said three, three rings. What, what, what would be wrong with three? The retiring, just having three rings. Absolutely nothing. And being the top 75 player of all time. Simple. Legacies are not it. Legacies are not uh, in question. It's just, are you adding on to the book? Are you adding on to the book, or are you not? Makes perfect sense to me. Or a bad chapter. This is that simple. Yeah, and you know, sometimes to me, when a, a player gets a little bit older, has been through some injuries, has had his own comebacks, his own triumphs and travails, etc., and he gets to this point, it's always a. It, remarkable to me and impressive to me when uh, w- when you see a guy come back at the highest level possible, bring his team to the finals. So to me, regardless of the outcome of this series, I'm, I'm impressed. Uh, Curry deserves all the props in the world. I think we could go back and revisit the discussion we had the other week about, you know, uh, Larry Bird versus Curry and then that sort of thing. But I think for now, we should just appreciate the greatness that we're seeing in front of us because he's kind of in rarefied air, um, so to speak. So let's take our final commercial timeout, and I'm going to ask you about the red-hot Pittsburgh Pirates. Stay with us, everyone. We'll be back 
after a quick commercial timeout. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety have you become a member yet sign up now to become a member of voice america it's always free and easy plus you get to take advantage of some great member benefits get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels keep track of your favorite episodes shows and hosts in your own customizable library find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites plus you get insider access with our newsletter membership gives you more Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Back with the primetime handicapper, Pop DiBiase. Before we talk baseball, why don't you let the listeners know if they want to find your NBA picks, horse racing picks, boxing analysis, how can they find you on social media, web, etc.? You guys, you on Twitter, you guys can follow me at 5DBIC. You guys can see all my stuff there, or you guys can go on IG, go follow me on DBIC Wave underscore. My website's still under construction right now. So you guys can go there if you guys have any questions or anything like that. You want to sign up and get the plays and things like that. You guys can go ahead and DM me about that. And also, my show every day, we just came back on yesterday, to be exact, the primetime angles. Uh, you can watch that on the YouTube that every day is live as well, too, on the primetime angles page, Facebook page. Also, it's on my Twitter and is also live on my YouTube channel as well, too. So we're, we're back after about a three-month uh, break, and uh, pretty much we're ready to rock out this summer and, uh, you know, bring the best plays and bring the angles, baby, so then you guys know exactly what you're dealing with when you guys get to your games and everything like that. Well, that's good stuff. I know uh, as an exclusive client, um, you know, you're always c- coming with – not just the team, uh, but also where the value is, you know. Right. That's uh, if I could share some of your thoughts from today, uh, uh, you know, I see that you're taking some minus one and a half lines, right, trying to get that value. Um, that's, that's how you have to do it in baseball, right? I mean, you find, let's say, a, a team like the Blue Jays playing really good baseball, crushing the heck out of the ball, wi- winning, nice winning streak, I think they've won uh, eight in a row or something like that. Boom. You dole out the minus one and a half. Easy money, man. They went eight to three. It's picks like that that you could expect to get from Pop DiBiase. Like I said, he makes it easier because he just gives it to you. Doles out the winners. Now, speaking of winners, Dodgers, who are the favorite, of course, to win the World Series, I've kind of gotten themselves into like a little mini slump. Uh, 
during the break, you were telling me a little bit about the uh, Pirates series and some of the numbers from that. Sounds like guys getting left on base has been uh, the issue over the last few days. Yeah. Dodgers, you know, they, it always happens to them that the, the, the Pirates were, were very fortunate that the Dodgers weren't scoring runs. The Dodgers could have had themselves 15 runs each game if they would have scored some runs. And if you can't score any runs, the pitcher's going to feel the pressure at their while, and the pitcher's going to get hit. The pitcher can't save you all the time. And that's why I always get mad when people always want to blame the pitcher for when, for the team messing up. You know what I mean? For If they're not scoring any runs, what can the pitcher do? That's what I always tell people. And I think that's kind of my bias because I was a pitcher as well, too, first baseman as well, too. But I, 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 I like playing, pitching more. And they, they, there's always a, a way to blame the pitcher if you lose the game. But really, you can't blame the pitcher if you're not scoring any runs. If I got thrown four scoreless innings and you guys are still not scoring any runs, what the hell can I do? My arm's getting tired. I'm getting predictable. Boom. There goes a home run. I'll try to I got him off the field. Now we're down one zip. You guys still can't do anything. All right. I gave up three more runs. Cause I'm not getting any support from you. But the Dodgers, let me just give you some some game real quick. The Dodgers have the best win differential in the league. It's plus one twelve. They're 33 and 17. Yeah, they lost three in a row, but they had the best record in the National League and all of baseball before the series started. Guess who's coming to town this weekend? Oh, they're here right now. They're going to be playing the Mets. So I think that all in all, they might have been thinking about the Mets a little bit harder than they usually do because the Mets are coming in here at 35 and 17 on the season. They're two games back and back. And if we were to start the playoffs today, the Mets would be number one. The Dodgers would be number two. And this would be a TV gym because you know that this is New York, L.A. always brings the ratings. And so pretty much this is going to be a bigger series this weekend than them losing three in a row to the Pirates who came in here. A team that had were in their last six and were three and three. Now they're six and three overall. But they're not that hot. It's just that they caught the Dodgers at the right time, and they beat the Dodgers five out of six. So it's a matchup situation, Mike, in my opinion. But if we played this matchup in the playoffs, the Dodgers would definitely sweep them. Oh, there's no doubt in my mind. I think I think you kind of hit it. I think they probably were looking ahead a little bit to the really big series. It's easy to take uh, for granted that you're going to be able to steamroll over teams, you know, like the Nationals and the Pirates and the Cubs and the Reds. Um, and sometimes those type of teams trip you up. You know, the other thing, too, is and you always point this out. Baseball is baseball and baseball is a game of streaks. And even the Cincinnati Reds are playing pretty good baseball. In fact, they got off to a horrendous start, but they've got the fourth or fifth best record in baseball since the uh, middle of May. Cincinnati Reds, go figure, right? Um, right? And so, you know, the Pirates' bats woke up a little bit. They've got some young prospects that they've called up, have done a, a pretty decent job for them. Um, it's, it's good to see them win because I I, I root for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, they've got a really good, long-established history you know, dating back to the 50s and 60s on through like Dave Parker, the Cobra, guys like that in the 70s. And of course, Barry Bonds and Bonilla and some of those teams, they were really, really good. And they were a whisker away from getting to the World Series. And who knows, maybe they wouldn't have broken up those teams who won the, uh, their division three years in a row. Uh, but we're in the here and now. And uh, fortunately for the Dodgers, they didn't lose a single game uh, against in the standings relative to the second place team, the Padres, because they've also lost three in a row. Furthermore, the Giants are kind of lukewarm. They've been five and five in their last 10 games. Diamondbacks have only won four out of their last 10. So it's been the status quo. The Dodgers have not lost a single thing during these, uh, these last few games. The, the Mets, on the other hand, I think you astutely point out, they do now have the best record in the National League. They're coming into this series winners of six in a row. So this is an absolute, if you're a baseball fan, Pop, I think this is a must watch tonight. You have a very underrated Tony Gosselin going. He's been maybe the best pitcher for the Dodgers so far this year. 5-0, and 1.80 ERA. 
and he's going against a uh, veteran pitcher Taiwan Walker for the Mets. The eggs so was I think this is be a great matchup. Too. What's that? Taiwan, Taiwan was a Dodger in the beginning. He was an 18 year old pitcher for the Dodgers. This is his first team. Tyler I Walker's did not know that actually. I knew he was time. with Seattle. Um, uh, you know, he was a prospect through the Seattle organization. I did not know he was on the Dodgers before that. Interesting stuff. Yeah, well, it, Taiwan's been a prospect on a lot of organizations, but now he's just an old savvy vet, and he's found his way here in New York. Uh, and he and, and the Mets really need him to, because right? they've got the best two pitchers in the world, or maybe top three or four or five in the world, in Degrom and Scherzer who are uh, on the injured list right now. And so they need guys like Carrasco and Taiwan Walker to pick up the slack. And, hey, so far, so good, man. They haven't really missed a beat since Scherzer went out, which is uh, pretty remarkable in my mind, man. Um, they've also been beneficiaries of kind of the, the division as a whole has been underperforming. The Braves are under 500. The Phillies are seven games under 500. Everybody's People are calling for Joe Girardi's job. Uh, the Marlins are the Marlins, and the Nats are cellar dwellers. So they kind of have an easy division unless the Braves get hot. Mets can almost and, pack it and, in at all-star and, break. And Mike said he was worried about him to have a 10-and-a-half game lead. Before that, when we talked last time, it was like a 78-game uh, lead. They still have the biggest lead differential out of all the teams. Yeah, they only they extended the it since leaders. the injuries. Right. So it's like, dude. They're going to run away with the East this year. The East is bad. Bad Absolutely baseball. amazing. No, no, there's no good. The Mets have the best pitching. And sometimes you might, your top pitchers might not be there, but their influence on the bullpen is there. And Scherzer's bull had a lot of influence on the bullpen in L.A. and in uh, Washington as well, too, and in Detroit. Shifting over to the American League, namely the American League East, man, this this division is really, really uh, living up to the billing. Let's just say that. You know, the Yankees playing 700 baseball right now. I'm not sure that that's going to last all season. But right now they're looking like world beaters. The Blue Jays finally hitting their stride, man. Winners of eight in a row. Come through for Pop's big play today, minus one and a half. They're playing 600 ball. A game, a half game behind them are the, the Rays. And finally, the Red Sox have kind of awoken a little bit after a dismal start to the season when they were 11 and 20. They're now 24 and 27, so they're kind of coming back here. The thing that Red Sox fans can be excited about is the run differential is plus 22 which is actually a better run differential than the Rays and the Blue Jays. Um, it's probably, what, the fourth or fifth best run differential in the American League. So I figured that at some point in time, the Red Sox would get their act together. But what are your thoughts about the American League East? Well, Baltimore is not as bad as they usually are. No, they're not. They're not. And, you know, when you look at it, everybody's a tough home game. When you look at it, you know, everybody has a winning record at home, every single team except for the Red Sox. And the Red Sox, like you said, I think that they'll be on their way. It's just the first half of the season. They're more of a second half of the season team. The team that's tricky to me is the Tampa Bay Rays because you don't know which way that they're going to go. And the Blue Jays are really hot right now, but then they can get really cold as well too. So we're going to see we're going to see how consistent that Blue Jay this Blue Jays team can be. And we know that the Red Sox at some point they'll get into the race to where they'll be right where they need to be in playoff contention and everything like that. And um, you know the Rays are kind of in the way, but I think the Yankees absolutely can run away with this thing as well too because the Yankees are just playing really good baseball right now. They're confident. And this is exactly where they want to be. The two biggest disappointments in the American League, in my mind, have to be the Chicago White Sox, who are in third place, mm. to the Twins and the Cleveland Guardians, former Indians, and then the Seattle Mariners, who are behind the Rangers, the Angels, and the Astros. Seattle was kind of a trendy pick to uh, make a nice run this year, but they're eight games under five hundred. What are your thoughts about the White Sox and the Mariners so far? Well, the Mariners, you know, them playing up to 
to where you wanted him to play at, that was kind of like still a 50-50. I thought that they were going to, uh, you know, turn the corner because they played so good last year and they were really close to making the playoffs. Now, the White Sox falling off, not surprised at all because White Sox got an old man as the manager. So <laughs> pretty much, you know, that was all good and well last year. But they got some distractions over there as well, too. When Tim Anderson is more worried about what guys are saying in the dugout than actually performing well, then we got a we got a slight issue here. You know what I mean? When you're getting offended about the little things, baseball players aren't supposed to get offended like that. You know what I mean? It's, they know how the game goes. A lot of things can be talked about in private. You know, you really don't – if anybody doesn't like the media being involved in dugout business or uh, locker room business, it's baseball. So, you know, Tim's kind of breaking rules, but you can see where that his mind isn't on where it needs to be. It needs to be on winning baseball games for the White Sox. is frustration, and that's just a sign of frustration when your team's not winning games. So, you know, and the Yankees are winning baseball games and looking good doing it. So the White Sox have a lot of players that – they thought we're going to be upper echelon, really top-notch players, but they're really not. You know what I mean? And that's all it is. And it's a tough division. Last year, Minnesota was supposed to be the, the top team. They wound up finishing fourth. And, you know, once again, the Guardians are the team stuck in the middle. That's probably the most consistent team in the uh, Central Division, even though they didn't make the playoffs the last few seasons. Yeah, very unpredictable, that, uh, un- unpredictable right, division for be sure. Right where they need to be at, in yeah, place exactly right. Right where they need to be. We got to close, my man. So I want right. to make sure to thank you. Always love having you on. Great conversation. All the listeners out there always tell me when you're bringing Pop DiBiase back. So here he is, folks. Thank you so much. Thank you to all the listeners for listening and tuning in. We will see you same time, same place next week. Enjoy the NBA Finals and your sports weekend, everyone. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week. again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the voice america variety channel for